Lord, we love you. We bless you, Jesus. We thank you, God, for Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, that you stepped into time and eternity in such great mercy. You made a way for us to walk with you again. Lord, we thank you. We thank you this morning for your amazing grace, for your outrageous mercy that you've lavished on us, God. We're so thankful and we celebrate you. We celebrate you, Lord. We're thankful for time with family, for time together, for all the many things that we do in this season. But God, we stop even now and we say, we celebrate you, Jesus. And we thank you in your name. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas. And of course, we all know we celebrate this time of year to remember the birth of Jesus. That as we just prayed, God becoming a man. As John prayed or said, he said that the word would become flesh and dwell among us and we beheld his glory. And it's truly unbelievable. And we, we almost become numb to it. But you have to realize that if it had not been for Jesus, we have no framework to understand God. There's, there's no way we could even wrap our heads around who he is, what he's like, if it had not been for Jesus, And even today as we, we come and we, we hear the word and, and I preach the word, there wouldn't be a word had it not been for the word that was made flesh. So we celebrate. But we have to resist the temptation to minimize the significance of Jesus becoming a man. You know, for many of us that are, you know, that may be watching or listening to this. You know, a lot of us were raised around this. We've known it. We've heard the story. You know, we, we could go through Luke 2 today probably without even looking at it. You know, we, we could go through it because we're so familiar. And sometimes familiarity, you know, it can reduce the, even the significance to us where we become, like I said, almost numb to it. Where we come, become so familiar that we lose the richness. We, we lose that, that, you know, that newness that comes. And I, I always try to come back to the scriptures this time of year. And revisit some of those familiar passages. And I ask the Lord, give me a fresh perspective on this. Begin to touch it and just breathe on it. So we have to resist that temptation to make this was just Christmas. You know, we celebrate the baby born laying in a manger. And we do these things and we go through our, our, our stuff. We need to begin to just dive into the richness and the beauty of this storyline and this narrative. That Jesus' birth dawned a new season because for the first time since the garden God was constantly present on earth and we we know God is always present he's a very present help in time of trouble but for the first time God was actively accessible at all times like never before when you read through the Old Testament God is obviously present but there were moments where he would step in and you would see him move and, and rest on people. You'd see him visit people. You know, he may visit Moses. And then Moses goes and does what God tells him to do. And he, he may visit Elijah or David or Daniel or whoever it may be. But there were moments where God would step in. But on that day when Jesus was born, there was now access 24-7. For the first time since the garden. Where now man could walk with God just like we were born to do. That what the last Adam forfeited, or I'm sorry, the first Adam 
forfeited. The last Adam came and restored in that moment. That's a glorious truth. That's what we're celebrating in this season. Jesus' birth, it makes possible for God's government and his power to be released through human beings. Think about this. The Holy Spirit would rest on someone for a task for a moment. But now Jesus came and gave us the perfect picture of what it looked like for a man to walk in full submission in the power of the Holy Spirit. We watch Jesus come and he walks in perfect communion with the Father and gives us such an example that we would follow in his footsteps and walk in the same way. He makes it possible for God's government and power being released through human beings. It's amazing to think about, you know, that God would design the human frame in such a way that it could withhold the power that is found, that our bodies would be made the temple of the living God. I think of like, can you imagine if you were to plant an oak tree in a flower pot, what would happen? It would just completely destroy the pot. And yet God somehow, as just a master potter, was able to form the clay of our lives in such a way. He was able to build such an infrastructure that the fullness of God in the Holy Spirit could dwell in us. That Jesus walked and he became the first man, the first fruits of those to come. And now we are here with the power of the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And it's because Jesus became a man. Amen. It's because Jesus became a man. Thank you, Lord. Now, by way of Holy Spirit, God has now been able to consistently release his kingdom into the earth through men and women who were fully surrendered to him. Yes. Imagine. Imagine that now as Jesus comes, he makes the way. And even Jesus told the disciples, it's actually better for you that I go. And we have to stop and scratch our heads saying, no, Jesus, it would be better for you to stay. (laughs) Let's just do this forever. And he goes, no, because if I'm here, I can be with you, but I can't be within you. The Bible says that the prophets of old, they longed to live in the day that you and I lived in because they knew God with them. They knew God before them. They even at times knew God on them, but they had not known God within them. And Emmanuel, God with us, God has become with us. He steps into time and eternity. He steps into earth and he makes a way for you and I to have God with us. God in us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now it's through you and I, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that God releases his kingdom in the earth. That's what we're celebrating. That's what we're celebrating, that Jesus made a way. He tore the veil. He tore the veil of his flesh. He poured out his blood for us as a man. He laid his life down and he made a way for us to step into the Holy of Holies. Without restriction. Without restriction. Imagine. Imagine. That Jesus came as a man and we beheld his glory. And then Paul would be able to write something that would say, And we beheld with unveiled faces, as in a mirror, the glory of God. And it's because of Jesus. That you now have full access. That now, as Hebrews would say, you can approach the throne of grace boldly. Without fear, without trembling, 
You can approach him now. David prayed, blessed is he whom you've caused and chosen to approach you. And we can say this morning, we are blessed among men because God has called us and caused us to approach him in a way that was never possible before the man Christ Jesus incarnate. Jesus and ultimately you and I have become the bridge between heaven and earth. We've become the bridge between heaven and earth. I want to challenge you. And this is something I I just have felt such unction from the Lord, not just today, but in my whole life to challenge. Why did Jesus come? When you you are with family this, this week, when you're celebrating and thinking of this story, I want you to ask that question. Why did Jesus come? Why did he come? And I want to tell you this morning, he did not come just so you and I could go to heaven when we die. I've said time and time again, I'm so thankful for that. I give God glory for that. I'm I'm so grateful for that truth. But I want to tell you, it was so much more than than just you enduring life. You barely getting by. And then thank God when you die, you finally get to cross the threshold. You finally get to get there. Jesus came. To make a way that heaven would come to earth. Jesus came so that heaven would come to earth. Go ahead and turn to Ephesians 1. We're going to look at, we're going to spend most of our time here. But I want to, I want you to, I want you to really wrestle with that truth. It wasn't solely so that we could go to heaven. Jesus actually came so that you could be empowered to release the kingdom of God in the earth today. So that you could be that bridge, that vehicle that ushers in the kingdom of God in your everyday life. Look at Ephesians 1. We're going to start in verse 9. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purchased... uh, which he purposed in himself. Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. Let's pause here for just a second. So we, we are asking the question, why did Jesus come? What was his purpose for doing this? No doubt his purpose was so that he could lay down his life as the sacrificial lamb of God. Again, the last Adam, the atoning blood of Jesus to to make that final sacrifice, to purchase us and to become the propitiation that would bear the wrath of God. But what, what was the real purpose behind it? And Paul gives us a picture here. Look at verse nine one more time. Having made known to us the mystery of his will. Having made known to us The mystery of his will. What is the mystery? What is it that Jesus had purposed in his heart before time and eternity? He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So in eternity past, dwelling in the perfect fellowship between Father, Son, and Spirit. What what was it that God himself began to stir up in his own mind? What was his purpose and the mystery that he was beginning to create even in those days? He was beginning to create the perfect storyline, the perfect plan of restoration. And now Paul says, 
Thanks be to God, because of Jesus, this mystery has now been made known to us. And what was it? What was this mystery? Verse 10, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, Jesus Christ would bring all things together in himself. What does this mean for us? It means that in times past, there was a veil. There was, there was, there was separation. There was heaven and there was earth. There were sacred things and there were secular things. There were, uh, there were these carnal things and there were spiritual things. And now he's saying that the purpose, the mystery that God had established before the foundation of the world was that Jesus would come not just to bring what was on earth, to heaven, he came so that then within himself he could bring all things together. This and, and this this word dispensations phrase dispensation of the fullness of time. If you break it down, it's a cascading of going from one to another to another. It, it's like it's escalating to a climactic point. It's escalating where Jesus is saying we're building and we're building and we're building and I'm going to empower people and I'm going to release the spirit in such a way and I'm going to build my church up in such a way that begins to release my kingdom and as the, as the chief cornerstone, as the head of the body, he is going to be the one that brings all things together in himself. So what was the mystery? What was the purpose? What is it that we are celebrating? It was that God became a man. And he created a bridge. He opened the door. He made a way. He tore that veil so that now heaven and earth could come together. And then Jesus prayed in Matthew 6. What did he say? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have to begin to let that change the way that we think. And it has to change the way we live our lives. Because now all of a sudden, what we do here matters. Because we then can recognize that God put something in us. God gave an authority to us. God gave a responsibility to us to be stewards of the mysteries of God, as Paul said. What was the mystery? That God would bring all things together in himself through Jesus Christ. And we are stewards of that mystery in such a way that we are here on earth and are called to rule and reign and bring about the kingdom of God in the earth. So then we must ask the question, how will he do it? Now we know why. How will he do it? Let's look at verse. We'll go to verse 11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. Verse 13, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. This is important. Until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Amen. Yes. So, so what Paul is teaching us here is he says, this is the mystery. This was the purpose that God ordained before the foundation of the earth. That he would send Jesus to be the one that would bring all things together in himself. How is he going to do it? 
you believe in that story. You believe in this gospel. And then you are then sealed with the promise of a Holy Spirit. That is your guarantee of your inheritance. The Holy Spirit of promise. How is he going to bring about the restoration of all things? He put us, he put Holy Spirit in you. And he called you a co-laborer, a co-heir, seated with him in heavenly places. And he said, I and him and you and me and us together. And he, he began to share all these things. And he says, we together, you seated with me in that place are going to bring about the restoration of all things. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to seal you with your promised inheritance. You know, when, when, you're, when you're around Pentecostal or charismatic or, you know, spirit-filled uh, churches and people, I feel like we miss it so often. You know, we get so wrapped up in the gifts. We get so wrapped up in the, in the power. We get so wrapped up in, in the things that God wants to do that the Holy Spirit you know, just becomes an event. You know, that where we can come up front and the evangelist will lay hands on you and there will be some kind of, uh, of you know, moment in life that you can look back to that at that revival meeting, at that camp meeting, at that conference, at that this. I, I, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's so much more to it. There's so much more than just you, you know, having an encounter, you having a moment, you speaking in tongues even. There's so much more to it. And yet we limit it to say, well, have you been baptized in the Spirit? Well, I don't know. Have you spoken in tongues? I, I love it. I love, I love all of that. But listen, let's not stop there. Let, let's not let that, that. That was supposed to be the, 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 the appetizer. That was supposed to be the, the tip of the iceberg. And there's an endless ocean of revelation that God wants to release to his people that claim to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says, it's not just that. I want to gift you. I want to anoint you. I want to empower you. I want to give grace to you. Not just so that you can have your moment. I want to fill you with something so significant that everywhere your foot would tread that land I would give to you. I want to fill you with something so significant that you begin to release the kingdom of God and the government of God and the peace of God everywhere we go. So suddenly your workplace doesn't look the same and you don't you don't look at it as just a job that you have to do and you have to pay your bills and you don't suddenly look at those things and, the, the, you know, the day to day things of life as just kind of mundane, boring, insignificant things. You start to realize that every step is fueled with significance because you are walking with God and he put you here to be the broker that would bring in the kingdom of God into every area and, and influence that he's given you. What was the mystery that in the fullness of time, he would bring together heaven and earth, all things together, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it says, how is he going to do it? I'm going to seal you. And then we, we have to stop. Like I said earlier, it would just be better if you would stay. You come, you take your place on the throne, you rule and reign from earth, you, you do your thing, you come, you're the king of glory, you're the king of kings, you're the spotless, flawless lamb of God, why don't you just do it? And the mystery of it all, the peculiarity of it all is that he said, you are my very special people. 
my chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You are the apple of my eye that I am going to seal and I want to do it through you. And not only do I want to do it through you, I want to do it with you. I want to partner with you. I want you to sit with me in heavenly places. I want you to co-labor with me. I want to work together as one, as a bridegroom and a bride. And I want to release the kingdom together. So how is he going to do it? He's going to seal you. So see, we're not just celebrating the birth of a baby. We are celebrating the birth of a new age that he ushered in where now the kingdom of God was accessible on earth as it was in heaven. And what's interesting is when we look at verse 13, it says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Some of the older manuscripts include a phrase that actually says, announced by the angels. That you would believe, you know, you, in him you trusted after you heard the word of truth that was announced by the angels. What did the angels announce? What did we just sing about? What, what, did we, what were we just saying? Peace on earth. Goodwill towards men. That they heard the announcement break forth that as, as Jesus Christ was born and laying in that manger, the angels began to speak out and say, this is what we've been waiting for. This was the moment. This is the point where now goodwill and peace on earth is now accessible. Peace I leave with you. Not the peace of this world. Not the peace that the world would give you. And he says, now there is a heavenly peace that is available on the earth because the government of God has now been released through this man, Jesus Christ. The angels knew it. So they were announcing peace on earth. If you go to Luke 2.14, we're not going to read it, but my Bible even has a, a reference to go to Ephesians 1. Because they knew, this is, Paul said, this is what the angels declared. When they said, peace on earth, goodwill to men, they, didn't, they weren't writing a Christmas carol. Okay? They, weren't, they, weren't, they weren't just saying, now there's this baby. You know, now there's, now there's, you know, finally Jesus is here. They were saying, this is the mystery that we have heard in the divine counsel of God for all of eternity. This is what we've heard that, that, that the plan was coming together, that Jesus would come and he would bring about all things together. And they announced the mystery. Now is the time this man was born. Ephesians 1.14, we'll read it one more time. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory? What is the purchased possession? It says, in him you trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Now, the way I read this, and just give me some, some liberty here. Earlier in the verse, he says, you, you, you. It's, it's very personal. You are the, you know, you believed this gospel that you were sealed with, the Holy Spirit of promise for you. And then all of a sudden he says, the. 
I believe that when he says the inheritance of the redemption of the purchased possession, it, it certainly applies to us. I think it's broader than that. I think it's creation. Jesus actually purchased and he came to redeem a creation that was corrupted by the fall of man. And he says, this is my possession. This is where I am going to establish my kingdom on earth. I am coming to restore my purchased possession. I'm coming to bring back a garden that was established in the beginning where man walks with God and man takes dominion and releases his kingdom and grows and expands at the word of the Lord. And, and, and he says that. So, so what, what, what is the result? The, the mystery is that God wants to bring all things together to himself. How is he going to do it? He's going to do it by sealing you and me. What is the result of you and I becoming all that God has called us to be? Walking in the fullness of our inheritance as the saints of God. Being fully sealed. Releasing the power of the kingdom of God in the earth. It's the restoration of God redeeming his purchased and prized possession. And establishing his kingdom on earth. Jesus' birth brought an announcement that a new kingdom and a new peace is now available. Now there were other announcements made. Let's go to Isaiah 9. Very familiar verse, especially this time of year. We'll start in verse 6. Isaiah 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with the judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And many people will read that verse and they'll actually reserve it for a time in the future. One day, this world will be over. It'll, it'll all fall apart. It'll get worse and worse until finally Jesus can't stand it anymore. He comes back. Then there will be peace on earth. But let's read it again. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulder. So Isaiah is prophesying the incarnation. He's prophesying there will be a child born, and he will be this wonderful counselor, mighty God, and prince of peace. And he says, when that baby is born, we know the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. But watch this. Verse 7. From that time forward. From what time? Two, two or three thousand years in the future when Jesus finally comes and we, we get raptured and we meet him in the air and then he establishes his kingdom on earth and then his government and his peace, there will be no end. Until then, you know, there's just going to be decrease and, and evil is going to run rampant throughout the earth and darkness is going to get worse and worse and worse and things are just going to get bad and fall apart. But then that day... You see, no, he said from this day, from the day Jesus sets foot on the earth, 
from that time forward, we declare the increase of his government and his peace. There will be no end. And now we have to stand here today celebrating the birth of Jesus and declare in the midst of pandemics, in the midst of dismay, in the midst of confusion, when darkness runs across our land, when we stand here today and we say, but I declare there is a word, that there's a blood that speaks a better word, and that his increase in his government and his peace, there shall be no end. From that time forward, not from a future day, not from some time in the future. Right now, today, from the day Jesus was born, we celebrate Christmas this week and we declare from this place of the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. There will be no end. Now, when we read something like that, we have to face our current circumstances that we find ourselves in. And we have to wrestle and reconcile the truth. That there's peace on earth. But why, why, why does it not seem like that? Can we honestly read this verse today? Be, be truly honest with yourself. When I tell you that the increase of his government is peace, there will be no end. And you look around outside and you go, it doesn't look like it. Can, can we honestly believe that? Well, if we want to believe that, and I do, I believe it then we have to reconcile it with the fact of why does it not look like that? And I want to tell you, the problem is never on his end. I want to tell you, God is waiting for his bride to arise in such a way to be the Esther that approaches the king and says, if I perish, I perish, but I was born for such a time as this. We've got to become the sealed people of promise that we were destined to become. When you and I become so full of the promised Holy Spirit, you and I get so sealed. You and I get so secure. You and I get so rooted in the beloved of God. When we go back to that, that uh, verse in you know, Ephesians 1, he talks about how we were brought in and accepted in the beloved. It was in the, it was in the context of beloved identity that you know you are loved by God. You are accepted by God. You've been brought into the family of God. It was in that context. He said that first and then he went into that's in the context of that beloved identity that you know you are fully loved and accepted by a God that loves you and cares for you. In that moment, now we know it was in the context of that in the beloved that that the mystery was revealed. That the mystery was revealed, that the seal of the promised Holy Spirit would bring us into such communion and such union with this man that together in himself, he would bring about the restoration of all things. We've got to believe that we have the authority to declare this season peace on earth and goodwill towards men. We can declare that that COVID has no right to stay in my household. COVID has no right to affect our families. We can say that regardless of who's elected president, regardless of what decisions are made, regardless of what the media says, the increase of his government and his peace, there will be no end. My finances aren't where they're supposed to be this Christmas season, but the increase of his government and his peace, there shall be no end. My family, my relationships are not where they're supposed to be, but the increase of his government and his peace there shall be no end the election didn't turn out the way that i thought it would but their increase of his government and his peace there will be no end do you believe it we've got to begin to declare the word of the lord and i stand from this place today this christmas season and i say peace 
on earth, goodwill towards men. And we believe that the church will rise to the occasion and be the the sealed bride that we were called to be. How was he going to redeem creation? He was going to fill you and me with the Holy Spirit. Why did he come? Do you think he came so that he could just destroy the world, but thank God we would be taken away and will be made safe and will be... He he wants to restore creation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting Everlasting. life. For God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world may be saved. What do most people believe Jesus came to the earth to do? Condemn the world. We've got to be a people that believe God has a plan for this earth. God has a plan for the people here. God has a heart to restore and to redeem and to reclaim. And he's put, us, uh, he's, put a, he's put the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. He's sealed us with the promise of his inheritance. He's revealed his mystery to us so that we would walk in the fullness of our identity and everything that God has called us to be. Amen. We're not going to read it. But Luke 19 talks about how, you know, he, he, Jesus taught us a parable that he was a, he, he had a vineyard and he appointed workers to tend to the vineyard and he left. Yes. And he came back and he began to ask them, hey, what did, what did you do? Um, I, I'm sorry, I'm getting my parables mixed up. It was the talents. He gave them talents and then he left and he said, well, what did you do with my talents? You know, with, with my money. And, and one of them said, well, I, I invested it and it grew and it multiplied. And then he said, well done, good and faithful servant. I'll, I'll put you in charge of, of even more. And then the other one came and he said, um, you know, I, I multiplied it. It grew and, I, and now I have this. And he gives him something and he says, well, I will put you in charge of more. And then one comes and he says, well, I found you to be a, a, a cruel and austere man. I feared you. So I just hit it. Here, here's what belongs to you. And I believe that many of us, because of a poor revelation of who God really is and who we are in him, because we didn't see him as good, we didn't see him as loving, we didn't see him as compassionate and merciful and patient, many of us live, have lived in fear from him. We've withheld what he's given us for fear that he would come back and strike, that he would be disappointed, that he, that he, would, that he would criticize us, that he would ridicule us. Can we just be honest and say that there's been times where you felt that way, that God's given you something and you just didn't meet the mark. You didn't measure up. You didn't, you didn't quite make what, you know, so you just hit it. You just kept it. You just did the best you could to manage it. And that brings us back to the Ephesians 1 thing where he says it's in the context of you being accepted as beloved. It's that confidence in who God is. It's that confidence that you, you couldn't disappoint him if you wanted to. That he, he, couldn't, he couldn't be disappointed with you. He's so madly in love with you. He cares for you so much that God, who would not even withhold his own son, would not give us all things. You know, this God that loved us so much, if you can begin to recognize that, you then can grow and mature into all that God has called you to be and you can walk in the fullness of your inheritance. Amen. But it's only in that context because you, you know, the other two, they didn't see him 
as austere. They didn't see him in fear. They trusted him. And when they trusted him, they were able to take what he had given them and he expected to come back and it be multiplied. In the same way, I believe that Jesus said, it's better for me to go. I believe he left and he's entrusted us with some talents. He's entrusted us with some things. And he says, when I come back, I want to find it better than I left it. I, I, want you to, I want you to know that you're accepted, that you're loved, that I care for you, that, that I am good, that, I, that in goodness I will watch over you. But I, and I want you to take it and I want you to take risks. And, and I want you to go and invest and I want you to go do things that would multiply my kingdom in the earth. Yes, yes. And when I come back, we will rule and reign here. And I'll put you in charge of this and I'll, I'll give you more authority and I'll give you more so that he that has more will be given. God has called us to rule and reign as kings and priests before our God. So this Christmas, we're celebrating this mystery that not only was Jesus born, but that a new day dawned on that morning and an announcement was made. This is the mystery. This is God's plan. That he's bringing about all things together in himself. And he's restoring. And he's going to seal us and empower us to release the kingdom of God everywhere we go. Can we stand? Those that are here. And for those listening or watching, wherever you may be, I just want to encourage you. God has sealed us. If you're a believer... God has sealed us with the promise of his spirit and he is empowering us to walk in the fullness of our inheritance. And from that place, we can declare this week and for the rest of our days, the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. There will be no end. So God, we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace, everlasting Father. We thank you that that our citizenship is in heaven. And that the government rests on your shoulders. God, and we just declare peace on earth right now. God, in the midst of all that's going on in the world today, we declare peace on earth. Until the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. Lord, we declare that you have dominion from sea to sea. We declare, God, right now, oh, Lord, that the knowledge of the glory of God would cover the earth as the waters do cover the sea. And, Lord, we do. We declare it in faith. We declare it, Lord, that of the increase of your government and your peace, there will be no end. Peace on earth. Goodwill towards men. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.